Welcome in, friends, to Betting Pros College Football Early Look Ahead. I am Chris Welsh, your host, joined by Thor Nystrom, of course, the person you're here for. And we are taking a look at Week 11. But Thor, how did Week 10 end up treating you? We had some uh, incredible action. We had some sick games this weekend. Was money had, is the question. Money was had. Yeah, we, we had another winning week. Um, had had some solid picks. I, I took one of them. I hate to to complain about bad beats because over the long run they normalize. But I, I I took arguably my first one of the year where I was like, man, that that was really a bad beat on uh, on the New Mexico against um, Utah State game where Utah State was up by ten at the end and I had plus sixteen and and New Mexico had been playing pretty well all game, but then they they had the ball with three minutes left, they fumble it and Utah State runs it back, wins by seventeen. That that one hurt, but we had overall we had a winning week, so I was happy about it. Well, I remember last week I took, I think, I think it was literally the video you posted early in the week with your play. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm completely forgetting what it was now. I, without question, Insta took your Maction play on last Wednesday uh, that you did a video on and it smacked. So hopefully yeah. we can do a little bit more of that this week. We got a full slate of Maction. A ton it, of was, it. it was Ball State, by the way. That's what it was. Ball yeah. State by, I think it was plus seven and a half and they won outright. You know? Exactly. So only thing Against I was State. was. Yeah, all, all I was doing was kicking myself for just not taking a money line, but uh, whatever. We're all golden. I had the plus seven, and I felt uh, gravy about that, and hopefully we'll do a little bit more of it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some of the big games, the early look ahead. Obviously, you're going to be able to find everything that Thor's got. If you are subscribed to this channel, you're going to be able to get in on all the shows, and you don't have to just do the look ahead. You can do the actual previews and the actual lines. So make sure you're subscribed to it, and follow Thor on Twitter, at ThorKU. Let's talk about some action, Thor. On Tuesday, so we don't have to wait very long, we've got three games. Eastern Michigan at Akron, Ohio at Miami, Ohio, and the aforementioned Ball State at Toledo. The lines are out. You've got some of your early stuff here. What do you like on Maction for Tuesday? Yeah, it's it, now we get the full Maction card. Last week we had the two Tuesdays, the two Wednesdays. Now this is legit. Now we're in the thick of legit Maction with the three and the three. You, you, you love to see it. Uh, with, with my adjusted lines against against the openers, one of the ones that we were talking about this before the show, I my adjusted line on Toledo Ball State is Toledo minus 15.7. That game is minus 11 and a half right now. So there's a 4.2 point discrepancy, but I can explain that one by the status of Toledo quarterback Daquan Finn. We have to see if he's going to be active or not. If not, that's probably a fair deduction. We were talking about Ball State. They've been playing pretty well recently. They have the solid defense. They have that really quick sideline to sideline passing game. And then Carson Steele is, is, I mean, he's the dude that they give all the usage to. The running back breaks a lot of tackles and stuff like that. Ball State, if Daquan Finn is not able to play for Toledo, could be able to keep that close just by controlling the clock and, and doing their whole grind thing. So take a look at Daquan Finn's status, you know, in the next 24 hours. Um several of these other ones my my adjusted spread when i ran it um early yesterday it was basically pick them and so i knew that you know the lines are going to be super close and they came out and indeed they were like i have miami of ohio minus 0.6 points against ohio vegas opens ohio is at minus one and a half um i had similar lines with both western michigan being favored by 0.3 points over northern illinois who's just sort of circling the drain at this point has had all these injuries the luck that they had last year in one possession games on fourth down conversions, et cetera, has completely gone the opposite way. So last year they had the dream season winning the Mac. Now Northern Illinois is having the, the nightmare season 
Western Michigan is favored in that game by one and a half. Uh, Western Michigan in the team I, I love to bet on either. I did last week, though, um, in, in, in their matching game um, against uh, – I'm blanking on it right now, but I'll, I'll get it. Um, and then the, the last one was Central Michigan. I had at his point favorite um, against at home against Buffalo. The, the market right now has Buffalo as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. But a whole bunch of these MAC games, the whole point being – are really close that the margins and the right around pick them. So you can basically just pick the side that you think is going to win. Bowling green and Kent state is, is very much like that as well. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of pick your poison on, on some of that stuff. The Western Michigan, Northern Illinois game is, is just the crap ball game that I, I, I don't really want to bet on, but I probably will end up having to bet on it. Um, and, and, and I, Miami of Ohio would be the side I would lean to against Ohio um, early on. I, I, I don't think, Miami of Ohio hasn't gotten quite the credit in the markets that they probably should have since Gabbert got back. They've been playing decent and it's, it, it feels like it's not completely getting baked in the line, but um, Ohio can't play any defense. So that should be a fun one. And those were the Wednesday. Uh, you mentioned some of the Wednesday matching ones, Northern Illinois at Western Michigan, Buffalo at central Michigan and Kent state at Bowling green. The only other one, and it's interesting that they're all close to pick them except that Toledo ball state and then that Akron Eastern Michigan one, which is the first one to kick everything off, which I think it's Eastern Michigan minus seven and a half. But it looks like your early line has got it at about 10. So there's a yeah. little bit of value on that one as well. Yeah. And and that one, I, I would lean towards uh, Eastern Michigan. I, I like that Eastern Michigan team. Akron stinks, right? Like, I mean, in my power rankings, I they're either the second or the third worst team in, in the FBS. Akron, I've seen this multiple times this year where the market seems to be a little bit more bullish on the Akron side than they should have been. We've made we made some money fading Akron a couple times this year. This looks like another spot potentially for me uh, to fade Akron. You know, got to dig into the statuses on both sides. Eastern Michigan has had some some quarterback health things. We just got to make sure that, that all that's squared away and we're going to get the, the full strength Eastern Michigan team. But assuming we are, I'm, I'm probably going to be on Eastern Michigan that one. All these uh, matching games have probably got people going. And if you're looking, as you're going to set your picks and make all your wagers, if you're looking for a place to track all of those wagers in one place, you got to check out Betting Pros Pick Tracker, bettingpros.com slash pick dash tracking. It syncs up with your sports book to tally which picks hit and which miss and gives you a live look at what the public is doing so you can use real-time tracking to determine which plays to make and which to fade. I can tell you that is like one of the most important things ever anytime I'm betting to have one place because I get psychotic if I don't and checking all the different places. I need it in one isolated place. You can get on the leaderboard and quickly become a sharp by using the free advice we have to offer over at bettingpros.com slash pick dash tracking. Do it today. Make your life easier. Bet you got enough going on with your bets. Make yourself and your life a little bit easier. Uh, let's go and take a look at we got one ranked game coming up on Friday. It's Colorado coming up against number nine USC. So let's talk about this before we get into the Saturday games. What do we got on USC? Well, I I wouldn't be able to back uh, Colorado regardless of circumstance uh, on the road here um, heading to Los Angeles and with my line is basically spot on with where it is right now in the market. It looks like it opened up on Sunday, USC minus 31 and a half. It's gone up to USC wow. minus 33 and a half. My adjusted line on that game is USC minus 33.8. So I even the, see 34 right now uh, as of like this second. So, I mean, that line has oh, moved. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and now like, you know, when it opened, I was showing a couple of points of line value on USC, but now the market's gobbled that up. So, I mean, you know, once you get up this high at, at a number like that 34 or whatever, you're, you're starting to push the five touchdown thing, the margins of it, it just, it gets weird for me where the, the thing can be decided in the end by, you know, late in the fourth quarter by something outside of the game script. So I, I, I absolutely couldn't back Colorado, but I'm not going to be laying the points with USC there either. And I got to tell you, looking at the over-under on this game, 64 when USC is minus 34, it doesn't pass a smell test to me. And I think that's maybe something, Thor, you can cover on the preview show coming up. That might be a good tease for that show because there's something there that doesn't quite add up. Am I Am I right here? Could be right, yeah. But yeah. Definitely something to investigate there, for sure. Okay, well, you guys can uh, you can check that out on the preview show this week right here on the Betting Pros YouTube channel. Make sure you guys are locked in. How about Georgia? Georgia at Mississippi State. Georgia coming off a 27-13 win uh, over Tennessee. They went from 3-1, to one, number one. What do we think about uh, number one in the nation, Georgia? First of all, what a performance on on saturday man a a tennessee team that basically nobody had given trouble all season and and george like the final score makes it look a little bit closer than it actually was georgia controlled them from the start of that game that was never in doubt um so to to the people that were on georgia uh good handicap and work there i had to stay away from that one but georgia was obviously the right side and 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 that one cash this one you have a line uh right now 16 and a half it's funny. This one actually came down from the opener. Georgia opened at minus 18 and a half. And then it's come down to, to 16 and a half. That's also in line with what my system is showing. Uh, my adjusted line on that game was Georgia minus 15.1. I think there might've been, um, especially with the books, a bit of an overreaction on the Georgia side, you know, sort of, sort of in advance, adding a couple points of tax on that side. But I think the market was correct in, um, the early money coming in on Mississippi State to to shift that one down beneath 17. Um, I, I just think that's more objectively fair. It does take away potentially some some line value, you know, if, if you were looking to get in with the home dog on this one. But it, it with where the market has it right now, it's it's moving closer to my adjusted line at Georgia minus 15.1. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty big SEC matchup. Uh, Mississippi State six and three, but only three and three in the SEC. I also see that 16 and a half. So you think overall, this is probably maybe an avoid right now, maybe on both sides, 16 and a half over under. I just, I just don't think there's like, you're, you're going to find a lot of objective value on the line with, with, with where it is right now. It would be nice if uh, we get some, some money uh, in these next couple of days, come in on Georgia, get that thing back to 17 or even 17 and a half. But with where it's trending, it, it looks like it's going more towards the two touchdowns as opposed to, hitting back over the 17 that that's where I would start to perceive line value again. So this is an interesting one. This kind of actually comes back to my theory of that USC game where, you know, it's over 64. And then you're saying that there's a 30 point line to Colorado number uh, or not number, but three and six, Indiana is going to go to number two, Ohio state. Who's obviously nine and zero. this is the biggest spread. I think that we've talked about, and we might actually talk about, I see it currently at 41 and a half and the over under at 57 Ooh. and a half. I know. So you're oh. seeing on a 16 point uh, give that they're putting on Indiana. Why a one in eight team in Colorado would be getting 30. I digress about that moving on and why that's fishy, but 41 and a half points on OSU against Indiana. So uh, what say you? 
That there's been some movement on this one too. Uh, Ohio State open minus 31 and a half, and this thing is shot up to 40. That's that's pretty wild. My adjusted line is Ohio State minus 37.8. So I definitely would have agreed with some of that early movement. But man, has there's been a tidal wave pushing that thing in the you know sort of the early hours after it opened to Ohio State now being favored by more than 40. What's interesting about it is we talked last week about a, a super duper high Ohio State line. They were playing Northwestern. Northwestern kept that thing close for a bit, right? And they only lost 21 to seven. Ohio State has had some games this year where they sort of just sleepwalk through it. And they also have all these inactives, some of which we don't even know in advance. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba has been like the, the one like every week. It's like, is he playing? Is he not? And then when he ends up playing, he invariably only has, you know, he plays half the snaps and he gets two catches. So his status is becoming less and less important as we go along. Now they've established a receiving core basically without him. But like in the last game, you find out right beforehand, Travion Henderson ain't going to be playing. You knew that Mayan Williams, the game before, had had an injury. And you're all, and you already knew that their uh, third string kid had gotten um, injured in the, the preseason, knocked out for the season. So you're already like, Oh man, the the running back depth is already super precarious there. Can Mayan Williams play? If not, who who the heck are they going to throw out and stuff like that? It's just been a weird season for Ohio State. I'll, I'll put it that way. I I would not want to lay this big of a number with Ohio State, um, but it seems like what the market is telling us early on, what they feel early on, is that Ohio State is going to bounce back from that lethargic showing against Northwestern, and now they're gonna they're gonna they're going to deck this outmanned underdog. Uh, we'll see. Indiana has played scrappy at, at times, although it's the season is starting to get away from them. And we're seeing that less and less like last week at, you know, they, they were playing Penn state and they, they got run off of the field. They've been friskier in some of their other matchups. They did cover, I believe against Michigan earlier this year. Um, and then, you know, the first three games is, is when it was rolling there when they started three and on everything's gone to crap since then. But man, it, with, with 40 points, it would be, for me, it would be on the Indiana side or pass of that one. Mm, that's very interesting. Uh, this game, probably going to have a lot of eyes on it because no longer are they going to really be playoff run, but it is still Alabama. Number 10, Alabama, who's now 7-2, and two, how often do you say that, is going up against number 11, Ole Miss, who's 8-1. and one. So this is going to be a huge powerhouse matchup and really fascinating to see how Alabama is going to rebound. So what do we got on this game? This line is, it's too high. I, th- th- this one, I feel good about saying that Alabama being favored by 11 and a half. Uh, my, my line on that game is Alabama minus 7.8. And you have the couple things going on of this is a deflation spot for Alabama, a team that every single year, it's the playoff aspirations, the playoff aspirations. This year, it was no different. Last week, their playoff dreams ended. So you, you get the classic sort of deflate spot. And then number two, Alabama has been bad on the road this year, or, or I'm sorry, even going back to last year, since the beginning of last year, where uh, we talked about this several times this year of like, what's going on with Alabama on the road. And now not only do you have the deflation thing, not only do you have Alabama on the road, but you also have Alabama on back-to-back travel. Cause of course, last week, Saturday night, they were in Baton Rouge playing Brian Kelly's family. And now, now they, they're heading to, to Oxford. I, 
to me, there shouldn't you got to take that Alabama tax away, but the market has not. If that thing's in double digits, it's it's the rebels or or nothing on that one. And I'm going to be sniffing around the rebels hard this week. This is a completely kind of side note, but like, how much of this do you put on Bryce Young? Like, how much is this? hurt Bryce Young kind of in general. I know uh, he, uh, Thor, if you guys don't pay attention, is an incredible college fantasy football player. I saw you posting this sick uh, week you had and Bryce Young was on the team. And obviously Bryce has been at the top of draft stuff. Like how much do you think just real quick on Bryce Young, the effect of what Alabama is doing is on him? I Very little, I I, I would say. And, I, you know, I, I realize there, there's a little bit of bias there because he is the quarterback of my, my 50 team really. But no, no, um, the, the receiving core there is what has been the issue. And it, it's crazy when you watch it because you're, you know, you're used to watching Alabama have minimum of two first round receivers out there. And some of these seasons in the past, they've had four, uh, you know, like we're not used to them having a mediocre receiving core. This year, Alabama has a mediocre receiving core. There are so many different teams around the nation where I would prefer to have their receiving core uh, to Alabama's. And they had lost all the NFL guys, you know, over and over and over again in, in recent years. That was that was problem one. And then this year, what they intended to do to sort of patch the holes, it was it was a, a thing of like the, the conjunction of like the guys we signed uh, the, the, the freshman, but hopefully we don't have to use them. Cause we got other kids coming up like the Jacory Brooks and stuff that have been in the program. And then what Nick wanted to do to augment all that, or to, to, to definitively plug the holes was sign veterans through the transfer portal. So they had signed Jermaine Burton, uh, they from Georgia, of course they'd signed Harold, the speedster from Louisville. Harold was supposed to replace Jamison Williams, the, the speed element and, and whatnot. And then Burton was just supposed to be the wide receiver one. Well, those guys have been bust. Uh, Burton has not played well all season long. Like he's been on the field for all the snaps. He's just not good or hasn't been this year. Um, and then Harold, we we haven't seen him because he's been injured. So like, and then uh, Nick doesn't seem to trust Jacory Brooks anymore. I, I don't know if that's a route running thing or a hands thing or whatever. But from the very beginning of the season, they weren't playing him. So all of a sudden, now they were playing more true freshmen and they're playing guys that can't get separation. And it's tough for Bryce Young because not only is he sort of surveying the, the field and he's seeing that his receivers aren't getting separation, when he gets the ball there, a ton of them are dropped. The, the drops on the Alabama receiving core have been crazy too. And not only that, but Bryce Young is behind a down offensive line. Alabama's offensive lines the last you know decade or so have always been solid. That thing has fallen off this year as well. Between the NFL defections and between the, the guys that they went out to sign to try to plug the holes, not completely, um, you know, being what they thought they were going to be. So I don't put it as much on Bryce Young. I feel like you have Bryce Young and then you have J Jameer Gibbs, who's been awesome too. And those guys are a little bit stranded and being let down by the supporting cast around them. And that, that's what makes Alabama susceptible in some of these games, for instance, against LSU, because Bryce Young, he's doing the best he can. The receivers just aren't making plays for him. And then putting a bow on this game, we obviously, you know, we don't, we can't have the Alabama tax and everything, but is this enough that you would want to maybe get it on this line early for old miss? I assume it's going to move inward. Maybe you're going to feel differently. I feel like it would move inward a little bit where it's going to be a little bit closer. Cause I think you technically have, what was it? Four points of value on this right now in favor of old miss line, probably through the week, it comes down to maybe nine, maybe even a little bit more. Do you think it's worthwhile? Do you feel confident enough jumping in on Ole Miss at this point with that value and kind of everything we talked about? This, this is a really good question. Um, with where it's at with 11 and a half, being interested on the Mississippi side, I'm not going to bet it right now 
because I got leeway for it to drop down to 10, right? Like 10 and a half would be the next threshold number where it would, it would be like the buy point. Like, and if I don't, now it's going to drop to 10. It's, that's going to hurt me. But I have a full number to drop that way. It's been rising the, the other way. Could that thing get to 13? I don't know. It's just as close to there as it is to 10. So, so the, the thing, the market has batted this number into this sort of dead zone. So you, you can wait and, and see if, does it go up the one or does it go down the one? And then at that point you make your decision, but I'm hoping that I'm hoping this thing somehow gets up to 13. It absolutely shouldn't get to 13, but if it does, we, we pushing in on the reps for sure. At that point. Uh, how about uh, Tennessee who obviously was a big disappointment uh, in their loss moving down to five. They're going to be hosting Missouri uh, sec matchup. Tennessee is currently set as a 21 point favorite and the line is at 56 and a half. So uh, what do you think about Tennessee coming off of this loss? Yeah. So you have sort of the deflation spot there as well, though it's probably not as pronounced as the Alabama one because the Alabama season is over in terms of the college football playoff and stuff. Whereas Tennessee still has a path to get in. So I'm not going to throw them completely into the same thing. However, well, that was a, a deflating loss against Georgia when you come in number one in the college football playoff and then you just go and get smacked around all day. It, it, this line is interesting where it opened at uh, Tennessee minus 17 and a half. My adjusted line is Tennessee minus 17.7. So the book set, you know, dropped a line that was essentially exactly what my adjusted one is. But the market in the day since has bet or even less than 24 hours since has batted uh, Tennessee all the way up to minus 20 and a half. The market very clearly believes that Tennessee you're going back home to Knoxville, that they're going to come in and they're going to, they're going to be locked in coming off the lots. They're going to smack around this Missouri team. This is one that I'm going to have to look into a little bit more because Missouri has been super duper frisky this year. Um, and, and they don't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be any like lost season stuff with them. Like they're still playing hard every game last week. I think they played Kentucky close. Uh, you know, they, they had recently upset South Carolina and, and, and stuff like that. The, the thing I, I like about the Missouri team is their defensive front. They have a little bit of a trump card there. They're, they're really, really tough and they're really, really active. So they can both address uh, opposing running games and put heat on the quarterback. this could be a get right game for hooker if the pass protection holds up because if he has time back there he should be able to eat the the missouri secondary's lunch but if missouri can get the heat on him now all of a sudden hendon is he he doesn't have the 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 um the benefit of his running game as much because missouri should clamp down on that better than most teams that tennessee has faced uh this year he starts getting into the third and mediums third and longs if Missouri's able to tee off on the pass rush, that's where that could come down. This is a really interesting handicap. I, I think the fairer line was where it opened, but the, the, the market is it pushing it up like this. Not sure that I could lay this many points with Tennessee in, you know, whether you want to look at it as a bounce back spot or a deflate spot or whatever. I, I think the, the early value, you got about a field goal line of value, just the, the market is handed to you on Missouri. That would be the side that I'd be looking at. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be handicapping that one pretty hard this week. Friends, if you guys are uh, watching on the YouTube, which I hope you are, you might see that I have a lot of autographed memorabilia. I very much enjoy it. And if you do as well, we're giving you a chance to win a signed T. Higgins Cincinnati Bengals helmet. Oh, yeah. This courtesy of our friends over at Pristine Auction. All you've got to do is subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel, which you might already be doing. Go do that right now. 
Comment below on this video. Super easy. That's it. That's all you got to do. We'll be announcing a winner right here on the channel, so make sure you got those notifications turned on so you can be alerted when new episodes are up and you can claim your prize. Very, very cool. Uh, let's go and look over at Michigan. We got a Big Ten matchup, which, you know, in most years, this is very exciting, but it's less exciting when Nebraska's three and six. Nebraska is coming to Michigan. Uh, number uh, Michigan is nine and zero. Oh. They are uh, six and zero, oh, obviously, in the Big Ten. Michigan is number three in the nation. Michigan's coming off a 52 17 win over Rutgers. And the line we're looking at is 29 in favor of Michigan with an over under at 51 in a big 10 matchup in this economy. What say you Thor? Yeah, th this is one where it, um, one of those lines where it remains right on my adjusted line. Um, you said 29 at some books, it's 28 and a half, but it's, it's between one of the two. My, my adjusted line on that game is Michigan minus 28.1. So I, I feel like at least, you know, at this point it's a fair line, you know, depending on the way your handicap takes you, but this is an objectively fair line. The, the the part about Nebraska that you like to see is you're wondering about these teams that, that fired their coach or that have the lame duck coach coaching staff. What's the effort going to be like as you play out the string, right? Because this Nebraska team has no aspirations. Yeah, I'm sort of looking at it like that. It was positive that last week they really gave Minnesota a run for their money. Like, for, I mean, you know, I, as you know, I, I live in Minneapolis and there was a lot of gopher fans. My buddies texted me on Saturday, the sky was falling in and stuff. I mean, the Minnesota <laughs> fans really thought they were going to lose to Nebraska and everyone was all ready to fire PJ Fleck and run them out of town. How can you lose that to the Cornhuskers? Minnesota did come back and ended up winning that game. But whole point being Nebraska showed up. The effort's been good, uh, the, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. That's what you want to see uh, just so that they're not the, the floor mat for a heavily favored opponent. Like in this case, Michigan. I don't see any val like line value on on the Michigan side. For for me, it would be looking into it in the handicap. Is there a way that I can justify a, a play on Nebraska potentially, especially if the line moves over thirty? But right now in, in this range, I just don't see a line a lot of line value on either side. Yeah, I don't see how I would want to bet this one uh, either way. Um, I know it's getting still too early for it. the over under. Is there anything on maybe the under on this one or no? What what's the number you're seeing? It was uh, fifty one. 51. That's, that's interesting. I mean, Nebraska in the last one, um, a, a big part of this would be of, of the, I, I suppose for the, the total as well, or I'm sorry for the side as well is, is Casey Thompson going to be back? You know, he, he has this nerve injury in his, in his throwing arm or whatever, and he got withheld in the last one. So against Minnesota, they had the good defensive performance and then they just were trying to cobble it together as best as they could between uh, Chuba Purdy, one of their backups, former Florida State kid, the brother of Brock, and then um, uh, Logan Smothers, the, the other kid. And he's just a scrambler, um, you know, that, that can – and, in fact, he would have been a, a good option quarterback, I think, if, if they, they had still run that system. But if you got to go – if you got to do the platoon thing, because that, that's what they, Nebraska did in the last game, both those uh, Smothers and Purdy got the snaps. If they got to do that again against this, this – the Michigan State defense is just going to laugh at them of those two guys like scrambling around th that's where it becomes difficult to envision Nebraska scoring many points. And last week, again, even with the good effort, they were only able to put up 13 points against Minnesota. 10 of those came immediately. They got, I believe they got a touchdown on the first drive and a field goal on the second drive. But then after that, Nebraska went totally cold. And that's when they started mixing smothers in and whatever Nebraska didn't get that last field goal until the fourth quarter. 
now and and that was against Minnesota. Minnesota has a solid defense, but you were at home in that game. If Casey Thompson doesn't play in this game and you're in the big house against that defense, it gets really hard to envision how Nebraska is going to score. So you you know with with both these things, you, you're going to want to check in on Casey Thompson's status. Does he have any shot of playing whatsoever in this game? Does it you know positive, negative, whatever? Um, but that's that's the thing you're going to want to look into. Something to pay attention to for the uh, midweek preview show that you guys can check out. This might be one of the most exciting games as well for the uh, for the card this weekend. Number four TCU nine and zero going up against number eighteen Texas six and three. And when you know it, Texas is favored at home by seven with a big old sixty five over under. So TCU Texas couple big ranked matchups. Texas has uh, just, you know, continuously done some stuff this year. What do you think about uh, this Texas battle? The the disrespect for TCU has been incredible the, this season. I, I was kicking myself last week um, for not laying the eight, eight and a half points when they were playing Tech at home. Like, my my system was showing value on TCU. I, I like the TCU side as well, but it, it was suspicious to me that the line had gotten that low. But no, it turns out that was just market disrespect as well. It, it, you know, it, it was close to the, the cover, but TCU did, did get the cover in the end. Almost every single week you look, my system is showing value on TCU. This is no different. Um, th- this is probably the line I would have predicted it to come out at. But like my system has Texas minus 4.4. So my, my fair line for this game would be Texas by four and a half. But it's again, it's no surprise. It's late at seven because the market doesn't trust nor respect TCU if if you can get there on your handicap to it my system showing that you're getting two and a half points of, of, of line value that's another game that I'm going to be investigating quite close the Texas defense has improved this year it, it's not like some of those ones we've seen in the past where they're just Swiss cheese um, in this game they got a real puzzle on their hands with, with TCU it, it's a team that can run extremely effectively I think that's probably the underrated part of them because you think about Sonny Dykes, you think about the the spread and everything like that. You're not thinking as much about that. But Miller, the the running back that they had, who last year was splitting the touches with Zach Evans, now Miller's getting most of the the running back ones, and he might be a better player than Zach Evans. Like that that kid can play, and he's he, he has a diverse game um, where he can do the receiving stuff as well. And then Max Dugan, the quarterback, his best thing has always been the scrambling ability. So he adds the rushing utility along with that. And then Max Dugan has taken a big step up in terms of the passing. And what TCU is able to do, it's both the efficiency with the running game, but they also get the explosive plays in the passing game. So it's just really hard to stop that offense. Because even if you sort of address one thing, another thing opens up for them. How can Texas sort of, you know, respond to these multiple different things? And then on the TCU side, Texas has a better defense than TCU. Um, TCU's defense have been good enough so far this year in every game for them to go undefeated to this point, but they got their own puzzle on their hands. Um, Kansas State, I can tell you, did not enjoy their time with B. John Robinson last week. And and I can tell you, as someone who was playing against B. John Robinson in my 50-team college fantasy football playoffs, I didn't have a fun time with that one either because B. John was doing basically whatever he wanted. Um, TCU is going to have to slow down Bijan somehow. And also, of course, you, you Quinn Ewers and the throwing downfield thing. Quinn Ewers has been up and down, up and down. But if you get a locked in Ewers here, um, you know, again, they're going to have to slow down Bijan somehow while addressing Ewers as well. This is a really fascinating game that um, I'm sure we will talk be talking about a lot the rest of the week. Uh, and obviously, like you said, more details on it. Do you think there's 
any value if you're kind of slowly sitting on the TCU side you want to lock in or do you think it could move the other direction this one I would I will likely be buying a ticket at seven and then okay. but like it, it would it wouldn't be for what my full play would be because with how little the market has respected uh TCU this year this thing could toggle to seven and a half like I, I can't you know I, I can't discount that possibility but you know for a partial bet locking in that seven just in case it falls to the six and a half, but it could go either way, right? Like to me, there's sort of equal odds going to six and a half, going to seven and a half. We'll see how long it remains static at seven, but yeah, I'm, I'll be locking in a little bit at that seven number for sure. All right. Uh, number 10 LSU is going to be uh, playing against Arkansas, man, a disappointing Arkansas and sec battle uh, LSU. Again, there's a fishiness here. LSU is a, is a favorite on the road but only by three, the over-under set at 62, but a three-point favorite LSU on the road against Arkansas, who disappoints at every turn they can possibly go for you. So uh, what do you think about this game, and why is it only LSU minus three? What I think is that I agree with you. That is super fishy. Yeah. Uh, last week, we saw LSU have one of their best performances, maybe their best performance of the season in beating Alabama. And not only that, like, they played really well in that game. And then at the end, you know, they, they had to do their stand, everything like that. And then the two point conversion at the very end, uh, like throughout, they showed toughness as well. It wasn't just the performance. It was, you know, the, the, you know, all the team specific stuff as well. And, and, and we talked last week about how they've been ascending, ascending, ascending. And then, you know, now even more so after that, then on the Arkansas side, they had arguably one of the most embarrassing performances on Saturday. I Arkansas is lucky that, not more people saw that i guess the way that i would put it because they were playing liberty in the middle of the day it was like some wonky uh time slot i was looking for it on the on the tv i was having a hard time finding the thing liberty at, at the t- <laughs> i mean it, it's really bad liberty they're so their their first string quarterback charlie brewer he has not been able to come back um they thought maybe they would get him back this month but it hasn't happened he's like it's it's been slow caden salter their second string quarterback he he might be out for this season. He he had, he had surgery, I think, on his groin, but he couldn't play either. Then their third string quarterback, Jonathan Bennett, he had the flu all week, and it was really really bad. He couldn't practice. So I actually thought heading into uh, Saturday that it was going to be the fourth stringer that we had never heard of before. But then Jonathan Bennett ends up starting for Liberty, their third string quarterback. But he does he did so with zero practices last week, zero. There was there was no indication or no reason to think that Liberty could even remain competitive in that game against Arkansas, you know, a quality SEC team. Liberty controlled the game and beat Arkansas. I don't know how this Jonathan Bennett kid, you know, w- without having practice, and he's a physically limited kid anyway, how they were able to do that. Hugh Freeze is doing a, a fabulous job. I, I don't want to get off on a, on a tangent on that direction, but, like, Hugh Freeze is doing a great job. But in terms of this game, Arkansas now – only being the three-point home fave, it is a little bit fishy. Based on what we saw last weekend, especially, my adjusted line on this game is LSU minus 4.8. So I'm definitely showing value on that LSU side. This is one that I'm going to be investigating this week. Is there any weird um, uh, potential inactives on either side that that maybe aren't obvious on the surface? Is you know is anything else you know in in that sort of vein? Um, but yeah, it's, that's a surprising opener for sure. Uh, LSU only be, be in favor by three on the road. Uh, Louisville is going to Clemson number 12 Clemson now after a 35, 14 loss 
to Notre Dame. Very, very disappointing there for Clemson, of course. Um, they are a seven-point favorite in this ACC matchup with a 51-and-a-half line. Not that it's fishy or anything, but eh, with how Clemson's played, a, touch, a home touchdown favorite. I don't know. I just take a look at that. I don't know. It, it does, it's not quite the smell test of like the other ones, but uh, do you think that's a little low? Is there any value here? Well, th- this is one where I feel like the market is um, more, how would you say, more predictably responding to recent stimuli than a couple of those other games that we just talked about. My adjusted line on this game is Clemson minus nine, nine flat. Okay. The, the, the number live is, is Clemson minus seven, but Clemson just got embarrassed on Saturday. That that was that was really bad against Notre Dame. I mean, like for, for that Notre Dame team that is way, way down to basically put their, their hand on Clemson's head and little brother them the entire game and Clemson's flailing away trying to hit them and not not getting close. That was pretty telling for for where Clemson is actually at. And then with Louisville, they, they've been really impressing in recent weeks. They'd had the the really big win over um Wake Forest weekend before last. Um this past weekend, they were one of the 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 few teams that that I lost money on. Uh I tried to back the other side. James Madison playing Louisville because it seemed to me like a classic letdown spot and a, just a weird situational spot of Louisville, even though they were playing well, now you got to play, you know, this, this newcomer to the FBS, this, this new G5 team in the Sun Belt or whatever. I didn't think that Louisville, that their effort would be, you know, analogous to the week before, but it was, they, they controlled James Madison. They ran them off the field. So Louisville is, I mean, that team, I was getting ready to write uh Satterfield's obituary like back in September and they've sort of flipped the script on this thing. Louisville is becoming dangerous, but I mean, we're talking about traveling to Clemson here that for, for me, what the market's done here is it's basically the, the two points. It's just that those recent events, I do think probably the, the value right now is on Clemson, but you got to go through the numbers and you got to feel pretty comfortable about what you're seeing. Cause you know that if you do that, you're going to be opposing this Louisville team that their arrow is point, and I can't believe I'm saying this because again, I was ready to, to stick that fork in Satterfield and that team. Louisville's arrow is pointing sharply up right now. Clemson's is is more pointing downwards. I, I think that explains that two point discrepancy. If you want free picks, player props, and breakdowns on almost every game that college football has to offer, you can join Thor and Mike Farrell for Game Day Live presented by DraftKings each and every Saturday starting at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. You got questions you need answered? Well, our team's ve- a team of experts are going to help you where we're live for 90 minutes of nonstop action leading up to kickoff. So join the live stream and toss your questions in the chat do it today and that is uh what you can do my friends you can go check out thor on twitter at 4ku make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel so you can get all of the action this week we gave you guys a couple bets that you guys can get in on maybe early right now and thor is going to get you locked up for the rest of the week this has been the betting pros college football early look ahead with thor i'm welsh friends we'll talk to you next time good luck on your bets this week and get in on some action bye friends